With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening on Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Happy Wednesday. Let's just fucking start it over. I don't know what I'm thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome in, Titan fans. This is the fifth episode of the Titans Film Room podcast. Today we were talking about some of the practice updates, the red zone offense struggles. Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill, as much as I wanted to avoid the subject, we ended up ranting about it. So I hope you enjoy. And we also made some future predictions and looked over the AFC South to discuss some of the news going around with Andrew Luck, Jadavian Clowney, the Texans training for Duke Johnson, and the Jaguars beating up a chair. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Titans Film Room at South Texas Titan. Go to musiccitymiracles.com where all of our articles come out and subscribe to the podcast feed so you can get our show as well as MCM Radio. All right. Does that mean we're ready to start? We are ready to go. Hit it. All right. All right. Happy Wednesday. It's hump day. Should call it Humphreys Day. What do you think of that? No. Happy Humphreys Day. I'm making that a thing. We're going to start I'm not that. So, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not supporting this. The Titans were off yesterday, but they practiced on Monday, so we're going to go through some quick updates from that practice. Firstly, the guys who sat out. Cameron Wake, Jarrell Casey, who is being worked back in slowly, Nate Davis, who hasn't practiced in a while, and we have no information on why, Delaney Walker, who's also being worked back in kind of slowly, Tanner McAvoy, who's been injured since the weekend, and Frank Heron, who's been injured since before the weekend. It's interesting that Frank Heron hasn't just been outright waived because he's just a depth guy, so he must not be too injured. The other guys, uh, mostly maintenance days, but who knows what's going on with Nate Davis. Mm. I I guess, I mean, what, he was a third-round pick. You don't need to necessarily rush him back, especially with the way they're moving the line around right now. Um, granted, they could always use more bodies to add in for competition, but I think he's going to be here for a while, so we're going to see him at some point. Yeah, it is kind of a bummer just because as a third-round rookie, you'd want him to get in there and get the experience of working in his first training camp and actually compete for the right guard job. But realistically, we we did we talk about this on air or was this a practice episode? But we talked about how Nate Davis is likely not going to be starting anyway just based on the history of rookie linemen. So Derek Henry, meanwhile, worked in the sand pit, so that's good. He is close to returning based on his ramping up slowly or ramping up his activity. Maybe he'll get back into individual drills sometime soon. And then Jonu Smith and Jeffrey Simmons were still off working to the side, which is to be expected. Kind of one of the things I was looking at was the defense has been showing out and they have been shutting down the Titans offense as a lot of people worried. Um, I, for one, don't think there should be any cause for concern. Um, the defense played well last year. Uh, they've only gotten better. And 
Titans are missing a lot of key players on offense. And on top of that, I wanted to ask you a question. With the way coaches are, um, like when you bring an offensive-minded coach or a defensive-minded coach, don't you think that side of the ball should be a little bit stronger than the other side? Hmm, interesting. So you're saying because Mike Vrabel's a defensive-minded coach, we should just accept that the Titans' defense might, is, might always be better than their offense? Uh, I don't always want to say that it would necessarily be better, always better, but I think with his first year's here as a head coach he definitely wants to have his fingerprints on that defense and the way that his personality is i think it's infectious you always see him i mean granted he's always working with offensive players too but you see him working with the linebackers uh you just see him out there he brought in Kerry coombs who has been infectious for the defensive backs um and just the bond he's really created with that defense um I'm not surprised that they're playing really well, you know? Yeah, I think maybe on some teams that might be the case. I think Mike Vrabel is actually very involved on both sides of the ball, so I don't know if the Titans' defense is better necessarily because he's the head coach. And I think that on some teams, it just depends on who the coordinator is. Like the Rams, for example, obviously their offense is very good, and some might say it's better than their defense, but Wade Phillips is a great defensive coordinator, so they also have a good defense. Anyway... I don't think the Titans' defense is necessarily better because Mike Grable is a defensive-minded head coach. At the same time, you would like to see the offense doing better just because it's such a make-or-break year for Marcus Mariota and some of the receivers that we want to see take the next step, like Taewon Taylor and Tajay Sharp and other players like that. So I think that there is a desperation for the offense to be playing well in practice. But it's just not realistic. The defense is always ahead in training camp. Uh, Look around the NFL. Defenses are usually ahead of the offense by this point in training camp because they've been running against each other every single day, especially in the red zone. The defense learns which routes they can start sitting on because they know what the offense is trying to work through. So with the starting running back, Derrick Henry, not participating in practice and the offensive line being shuffled every single day, a lot of the reports, from, especially from the most recent practice on Monday, If you read Jim Wyatt's practice report, he says quarterback Marcus Mariota had trouble getting the ball out during an early team period. Outside linebacker Sharif Finch was very active in the backfield several times in a row on plays that likely would have resulted in sacks. Big defensive end Brent Urban batted down a Mariota pass at the line of scrimmage as well. So things aren't encouraging, but like you said, they're shuffling the offensive line a lot. So at this point in camp, it's not a surprise. It's not a concern that the offense is not excelling if we get into one week from the season starting and every single day of practice has been like that leading up to that point then i might be a little concerned but right now it's just it's just nothing we don't know like there's still so much that has to happen before the season starts that it's not even worth talking about and i just wasted a lot of breath and a lot of minutes on it so i might cut some of that down but that's how i feel is that we need to just kind of get over the fact that the defense is going to be better than the offense in practice for right now and look at what will happen when the Patriots come to town because that will tell us a lot more than what this past weekend's practice told us. But to kind of build off that, while Art Smith is bringing a lot of uh, similar concepts and verbiage from the previous offense, he's still a new coordinator, and Dean Pease and his defense are just picking up where they left off. That's a, yeah, that's a great point. I don't want to say that 
the defense has a head start, but they kind of have a head start. Um, they don't have to learn new verbiage, new concepts, or just basically deal with those tweaks that the offense might be have to deal with. Right. And the offense isn't dealing with new verbiage, but there are tweaks, of course, and there's new players, and they're gelling. Meanwhile, the defense... Did the defense add anyone from the outside who's starting? Cameron Wake isn't considered a starter. So everyone who's starting was on the team last year, even though Harold Landry and Sheree Finch were technically behind Derek Morgan and Brian Arakpo and Rashawn Evans was behind Wesley Woodyard. I guess it depends on if Brent Urban cracks the starting lineup. But anyway, the defense has a lot more experience together. So let's just put it to bed. (laughs) Pump the brakes, kids. Pump the brakes. And speaking of putting it to bed, let's put something else to bed. Marcus Mariota is going to be the starter in week one. And I don't know why the media around Nashville and nationally has suddenly decided that this is a big story. Like this has been a story since we knew Mariota was going to be playing on his fifth year option. This is the make or break year. What, what is news about this? Can you enlighten me? Well, we knew it was going to happen as soon as they brought in and traded for Ryan Tannehill especially with the preseason, if he showed any kind of promise, people were going to start whispering. And some Titans fans just straight up started yelling, we want Ryan Tannehill. And that's because of the disappointment that they feel with Marcus Mariota. For whatever fucking reason, they want Ryan Tannehill because it's different. They're tired of the same four years that Mariota's given them. And it's, it's fair to a point, but this is the fifth year. He's healthy, put on weight. He has somewhat of a little bit of consistency with Art Smith, trying to keep the same verbiage and not change too much up. And not to mention Arthur Smith being here the entire time that he's been here. So he knows what Mariota does and likes and the the way he works. So give him a goddamn chance. Let him play a few weeks and then eventually we're going to find the story and you're going to get your Ryan Tannehill starting anyway. But wait, patience. Don't forget what the Dolphins traded for Ryan Tannehill. They traded Ryan Tannehill. And you know who they went with? Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. AKA future unknown draft pick. They are deciding that future unknown draft pick is better than Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. So pump the fucking brakes. I'm going to be saying that a lot because a lot of people are blowing this out of proportion. So let's settle down. And... People are so affected by recency bias, and it's really hard not to be affected by recency bias. I'm not saying that I'm not affected by recency bias. Recency bias is the phenomenon of a person most easily remembering something that has happened recently compared to remembering something that may have occurred a while back. Pretty simple. In football, there are ebbs and flows. Week to week, season to season, it's a constant reevaluation. Recency bias is the reason most pundits predicted the Colts to finish last in the division last year, because the most recent thing that happened was Andrew Luck being too injured to play, and the Colts went 4-12. and Never mind the fact that a healthy Andrew Luck had carried a subpar Colts roster to the playoffs multiple times, which he went on to do again in 2018. But people just can't help being heavily influenced by the most recent events. With the Titans, fans and media alike are looking at the most recent events, which were a preseason stat line of 4 for 8 for 24 yards for Mariota, and a handful of practices where the offense struggled in team drills. It doesn't matter that two weeks ago, Mariota opened training camp with, what, five or six straight really good practices. He, he was heavily praised by local media, 
for his command of the offense. But here we are, day 15 of training camp, we've already forgotten those early practices. So I know it's really hard to keep that perspective, but the fact is that throughout training camp, there will be ebbs and flows. There will be good days and bad days. And I know it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, but it's the preseason, and it's just not that serious right now, guys. Like, we got to take it less seriously. And he was playing against twos. And if you want to go with recency bias, just look at his last three games. One, he had Adam Gase, who is someone... Yes, I'm talking about Ryan Tannehill. And in those last three games, he threw for one touchdown and three interceptions. In Ryan Tannehill's last three games as a starter? Yeah. So if they want to go by recency bias, go off of that. Because those are games that counted. Anyway, we're just going to not talk about this so-called quarterback controversy because it doesn't exist. And instead, we're going to do a quick little prediction game. Just because I want to get it on the record. (laughs) What do you think will happen after the 2019 season with Marcus Mariota's contract? Um... I think we're going to move on from him. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, no, you don't. Why? Because we're not. <laughs> I, I honestly, I want him to be here. I want him to sign a $50 million a year contract. I want him, he's probably going to get franchise tagged. But I honestly think we might move on from Marcus Mariota. And... This is coming from someone who loves Marcus Mariota. And I just think that just given the past history, given the way things have gone, I feel just something's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen, and that's going to be it. That's going to be the, the flash in the pan that was Marcus Mariota. And all my dreams are going to be crushed, and I'm going to probably cry for about six weeks. But... Until I get a consistent 16-game season, I have to assume that something bad's going to happen this year. My prediction is that Marcus Mariota get. I'm not even going to address the nonsense that just came out of your mouth. I'm just going to move <laughs> straight into my own thing. Um, my prediction is that Marcus Mariota will be franchise-tagged. I used to think that wasn't an option, but honestly, it's the most likely outcome. So... Pay Henry, sign Marcus, or franchise tag Mariota. Yep. Henry gets a new contract around week 10. Does that sound good to you? Yeah. He'll probably have 12,000, or 12,000. No, yeah. He'll have 12,000 yards by then. Because we, I think we play the Jaguars twice by then. Mm -hmm. So 1,000 yards a game, average, no problem for Derrick Henry. And then Marcus Mariota will be franchise tagged. And then Jack Conklin. I don't know, man. We'll see. All right. When we get back, we will talk about what's going on around the division, a quick little catch-up game because there is news items happening in Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and Houston. So we'll talk to you guys in a moment. back from break let's go ahead and get into the afc south and some of the news that has been going around the division all right let's start with the most let's start with the least significant news jacksonville jaguars are getting rowdy in the locker room that's all the news there is (laughs) 
I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what it looks like after a Titans game, so um, there's a lot less smiling, though. It turns out that Dilla, I don't know who Dilla is, at E underscore Dilla, a Jags Twitter person, tweeted out a video that looks like it came from somebody's Snapchat or Instagram story of the Jaguars beating the shit out of a chair in their locker room that has the Jags logo on it. They're like punching the Jags logo specifically. Cam Robinson is jumping around on a chair while he was on PUP. He's since been cleared from the PUP and added back to the active roster, returned to practice. So this video kind of broke that news, though. (laughs) Anyway, the Jags are crazy. The Titans, I literally don't worry about the Jaguars at all as a Titans fan. Do you? No. And until they give me a reason to worry, I'm not. So let's talk about the Houston Texans, who traded for Duke Johnson. This affects the Titans in two ways, because they play the Browns week one, and obviously the Texans are a division rival and on the schedule twice. So what do you think of this trade? Well, I don't think it affects the Browns at all. Um, I know Kareem Hunt's probably going to be suspended, but they still have Nick Chubb. Um, Duke Johnson is a pretty good running back. I wouldn't call him a great running back. Um, I think he's definitely going to give the Texans another kind of facet on offense. But until they can get an offensive line, I'm really not worried about it. Kareem Hunt, by the way, has been suspended for eight games. So, eight games. Um, so. Yeah, announced in March. So they'll be riding Nick Chubb for a while. So what's interesting to me is that the Browns used Duke Johnson a lot on third down, on little swing passes, and not third down, just on little swing passes out of the backfield to help Baker Mayfield get into a rhythm. I think that the Texans... I don't like Duke Johnson going to the Texans, for the record. I think... At the end of last season, I ran a little study that compared the Football Outsiders pass blocking and run blocking efficiency rankings, rankings, so 1 through 32, against wins for the 2018 season. It gave me a correlation coefficient of 0.55, which is pretty strong. The study had one major outlier, which was the Houston Texans, who somehow won 11 games with the 32nd ranked offensive line. I don't think that the Texans need a good offensive line to be a good football team. They have constructed a roster that has a great defense and a very mobile quarterback with receivers that can win in contested catch situations. And they have just added one of the best third down dump off options in the league. As far as if, a, if Watson is under pressure right away, he now has a running back that can make multiple people miss when he catches the ball. and make yards after catch. So not that it's a huge, it's not going to be a huge game breaker for the Texans against the Titans, but it is another way that the Texans are mitigating a really bad offensive line. Hmm. Would you say Duke Johnson is better than Deion Lewis? I think last season he absolutely was. I don't know what will happen in 2019. Um, Also, you have another year where Deshaun Watson doesn't have an offensive line, how many more hits is he going to take? And how, how, how well can he hold up to those hits? Another point about that is that Deshaun Watson does take a lot of hits and he does take a lot of sacks, but he also escapes from a lot of should-be sacks at a much higher than average rate. And I think that the Texans' offense is therefore able to overcome the times he does get sacked and overcome those negative yardages because of all the other plays that Watson makes. Watson 
And Hopkins single-handedly carry this offense without the need for an offensive line, and it's crazy to me. Right, but how? I, I don't see that as sustainable. He's going to keep taking those hits because Andrew Luck was the same way. He had that escapability. He make plays with his arm. He had T.Y. Hilton, but the Colts didn't give him that offensive line, and now we're starting to see those injuries pop up even more. That is true. Hopefully, the Texans don't end up trading Jadavion Clowney for a great offensive lineman or a proven tackle or anything like that. The rumors are swirling lately, though, that Clowney is about to be moved. Some unconfirmed guy had him going to Miami. I've seen talk that he could go to Washington, and I've seen talk that he could go to all kinds of teams. So so John McClain actually came out earlier and said that Miami was not a destination that Clowney was going to be going to. So we can scratch off Miami. And that dude's reputation who said he was putting it out there that it was going to be Miami. I do hope we get Clowney out of the division, though. Yes. All right. What's going on in Indianapolis? Andrew Suck. I hate him. Look, Andrew Luck is... Look. Have you ever seen a motherfucker live up to his last name more than Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck is dealing with a, quote, small little bone, according to Jim Irsay. <laughs> Since Jim Irsay has said these comments, Chris Ballard came out and gave us more information. So we know a little bit about what's going on with Andrew Luck, but not a whole lot. It's eerily similar to the 2017 season, but people who are close to Indianapolis in the situation say this is different than 2017. Apparently, Chris Ballard said this is not 2017. So I don't know what to make of this luck situation, but apparently it's unknown if he will play week one at this time. What do you make of what's going on in Indy? Well, Jim Mercer's, I mean, and Vino Veritas, right? So I'm going to assume Jim Mercer was a little bit drunk and (laughs) there's going to be a little bit of truth in what Jim Mercer says. And I think what Chris Ballard says is going to be some kind of doctored up GM kind of coach speak, um, trying to, you know, ease fans a little bit with the crazy ass owner that they have, who was probably on five to six Xanax bars. That being said, Andrew Luck has played through injury before. How much is this going to affect his throwing? Um, the way he plants his foot and gets any kind of drive. And are we going to see him in week two or are they going to be? completely cautious and hold him out for the first two to three weeks. James, are you one of those fans that says, man, I hope Andrew Luck is out. So we have to play. So we get to play against Jacoby Brissett. Absolutely. Or are you one of those fans that says, man, I really hope Andrew Luck plays because I want to beat that motherfucker. No, I'm the first one. And I wasn't even going to let you finish for the second part. (laughs) Here's my message to all the fans that want to see Andrew Luck week two because we just really want to beat that motherfucker. I want to beat Andrew Luck just as bad as anyone else. But if the Titans play against Andrew Luck week two, they probably lose the game. I'm not saying they definitely lose. I'm not saying they can't beat Andrew Luck, but history tells us they can't because he's 11-0 against the Titans. So. If you really want Andrew Luck to be healthy, I want Andrew Luck to be healthy as a human person, as a fan of football, 
as a guy who would maybe draft him in fantasy football, I want Andrew Luck to be a healthy person. But as a Titans fan, you are crazy. You are crazy if you would rather play against Andrew Luck than Jacoby Brissett just because you really want to beat him. Like, we all really want to beat him. That doesn't make it a better situation for the Titans to play against him. So I get it. You got to beat the best to be the best. But the Titans aren't the best yet. And I just want to stack wins this season, especially the first quarter of the season, which is a pretty tough slate and be pretty tough to come out of at anything less than two and two and have encouraging feelings about the rest of the season. So coming out two and two is the most important thing for the Titans this season because we're missing Lawan for those first four games. And if Andrew Luck is not playing, that gives us a really good chance to at least win one game. A better chance. A better chance. Not a guaranteed chance because that defense is going to be really good. But a chance. Well, do you have any final words? Any final thoughts? Mm, I'm looking forward to that Patriots practice, but we'll talk more about that on Friday. We are very much looking forward to the Patriots practices. The Titans will be having two open practices, open, I mean, to the fans, with the New England Patriots coming to visit St. Thomas Sports Park on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. We are going to have a special guest or guests, maybe, to be confirmed on Friday morning to recap the Patriots practices and preview the Saturday's preseason game against those New England Patriots. So that's all I have to say about that. I don't know if you have something to say about that, but whatever, I'm done talking. I love you guys, and I'll see you on Friday. That's all I got. Anyway, be sure to follow us. You can find James on Twitter at South Texas Titan. You can find me at Titans Film Room. We're also on Instagram, YouTube, TitansFilmRoom.com, Music City Miracles. Please subscribe to our podcast feed so you get all of our episodes as soon as they come out, along with all the episodes of MCM Radio with Jimmy and Terry. Oh, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Uh, We really need those reviews. And you can follow me on Twitter at South Texas Titan. You can follow Justin at Titans Filmer. And we'll see you again on Friday. We will see you guys on Friday morning. Woo!